Bitterness is a terrible, terrible thing. It's a canker. It spreads so quickly in a family. It spreads in a workplace, doesn't it? It spreads in a church. Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Pastor White has been serving as the senior pastor since its founding in 1998. We hope the message today will be a help and encouragement as you seek to become more like Jesus Christ in your everyday life. This and many other messages by Pastor White can be downloaded for free. Just visit our website at www. FBCClarkLake.org or visit us on iTunes where our weekly podcasts can be downloaded for free. Now let us take our Bibles and join Pastor White as he continues to teach us God's truths today. Let's take our Bibles turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I remember what I was going to say here a little bit earlier, and that's don't miss Wednesday night. We're on a series on the church. This Wednesday night, we're going to talk about the origin of the church. When and where did the church start? We're also going to look at the Calvinistic doctrine of covenant theology. Doesn't that sound exciting? No, it really is, because there's a lot of people that believe that the church is going to go through the tribulation period. And the reason they believe that is because the influence of Calvinism and covenant theology. All right? So we're going to show you when the church began and when the church is going to take its flight out of here. Don't don't miss Wednesday night. All right, let's... Okay, Craig, boy, you are one step ahead. You are doing awesome, my brother. Okay. Last Sunday, let me see if uh, this is going to work. We're clicking on all cylinders here today. Used to say all eight cylinders. Now it's we're hitting on all four cylinders. <laughs> uh, last week we talked about strongholds and how strongholds root themselves deeply into our lives, and from these strongholds, Satan attempts to control every area of our life. We talked about the stronghold of immorality. We talked about the stronghold of temporal values or greed or covetousness. And then we talked about the stronghold of what? Bitterness. And because of the response that I had to that message last week, uh, I'm bringing you a message today on the subject of bitterness. I had several people on the way out, and I appreciate the comments that you make as long as they're nice. (laughs) But I had several people on the way out uh, last week, I mean, with tears in their eyes and couple stayed afterwards to tell me that they're bitter. My heart really went out to them. It's a very humbling thing to admit that you're bitter. And so I really felt burdened today to continue on and deal with this issue of bitterness because it does affect every one of us. How many here at some time in your life have struggled with bitter feelings? Well, we're going to find out why. I wish all of you would have been in the Sunday school hour. Because in the Sunday school hour, we talked about suffering and how that bitterness really stems from not seeing suffering from God's perspective. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. Let's begin here at verse 23 of Ephesians chapter 4, and then I'll come down there and join you. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that's my desire for you today, to have that renewal take place as you see and you hear the word of God, and it really speaks to your heart and mind. And that you put on the new man, after, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth as his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your what? If you go to bed with wrath in your heart and on your mind, you're going to wake up a bitter person. Verse 27, remember last week? Neither give what? 
place. Do not give ground to the devil. Do not give ground to him in the area of immorality, in the area of temporal values, and definitely not the area of, pride, of uh, bitterness. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands. I think that's a good idea, right? I think that's a good idea, right? The things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. The Bible doesn't teach socialism. The Bible teaches you work for your living. If you're hungry, you go out and you work. And then those who work out of compassion reach out to meet the needs of those who can't. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now read verse 31 with me. Ready? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Heavenly Father, I pray you bless the reading of your word and now the preaching of it. Help us as we see these many principles of Scripture that, that deal with uh, coming free from the prison of bitterness. Lord, help those here today that are bitter. And Father, there's always going to be circumstances and situations and, and people and trials and afflictions and sufferings that will come our way that if we're not careful, we'll, we'll turn our heart into a bitter heart. So Lord, uh, we ask you to help us today. Open the eyes of our understanding that we may know what is the hope of our calling in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let me come down there and join you. I wanted to start out with this verse. And this verse is uh, there in Colossians chapter 3. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not what? Bitter against them. Notice it does not say, Wives, don't be bitter toward your husbands because husbands are perfect. I think I read that into that text, didn't I? Okay. Why well, submit yourselves to your husbands to fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Bitterness has destroyed our families, hasn't it? Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleased unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children uh, to anger. And that deals again with bitterness. Your children get angry with you and turn bitter toward you, lest they be what? discouraged and they just kind of just quit trying to please you because they've developed a bitter spirit toward you. So listen, we need to get bitterness out of our home. You believe that? We need to get it out of our home, but the only way to get it out of our homes is to get it out of our lives, all right? Uh, because bitterness really does have a defiling factor to it. Uh, so we want to look at the description of bitterness as given to us in the Word of God. The Greek word, you'll see it there, means to undergo some painful and unpleasant injury, grief, affliction, or trial. How many have ever gone through that? Yeah, this morning in Sunday school, we saw we all go through suffering and trial and adversity in our lives. It means to uh, make fast, to fix, to fasten together, to build by fastening together. The meaning is this, to build a case and stand against someone for revenge or for his or her destruction or hurt. They've hurt you, and so now you build a case against them. They may not have even intended to hurt you. Or maybe you even misunderstood the whole circumstance or situation or you read something into it or you misjudged them wrongly. I people do that to me all the time. And so if you're not careful, you'll actually begin to build a case against that person because of the bitterness that you feel toward them. The word is closely related in the Greek language to the word bite. When you're bitter, you have a tendency to want to do what? Bite back. They bite you and you what? You want to bite them back. If you don't believe that, just go to the nursery. <laughs> Lots of bitter children there in that nursery. But if you bite and what? 
devour one another. Take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh says, bite back. They bite you, bite back. You have every right to respond. Look at what they did to you. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are what? Contrary. That's not how God wants us to respond. So you cannot do the things that you would. Why? Because you've developed a bitter spirit. You can't live out the Christian life as God would have you to live it. Don't, oh, don't bite and devour one another. Let's give a biblical description, gave a biblical definition of it. Let's give a biblical description of it. I think this is interesting. Bitterness in James chapter 3 where it talks about the tongue and the fire, a matter of the fire kindleth, sets on fire the course of nature. It also talks about it being full of deadly poison. Do you know there's a lot of poison right here in our tongue that comes from our heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaketh. So you get bitterness rooted itself into your heart. What's going to come out of your tongue? Poison words. The Bible also likens bitterness, interesting, as unto wormwood. What do we know about wormwood? It stinks. It's a plant that stinks and is extremely bitter. Like, uh, remember when you were a kid and you, you went to the cupboard there and you saw that Nestle's chocolate bar? And you looked around, make sure no one was looking? You took a big chunk of that next chocolate bar and popped it in your mouth. Now, I know none of you did that, but I did it once. Extremely bitter. Uh, It's a very unpleasant taste. Can I tell you something? When you get bitter, you, you become a very distasteful person to be around. It also is likened unto gall. Remember what Paul said to Simon. You are in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity is a bitter, slightly alkaline... Oh, this is a pleasant description here. A bitter, slightly alkaline, yellowish-green fluid secreted from the liver and stored in the gallbladder. It's bile. Used in the Scripture, it refers to anything that is distasteful, unpleasant, that which causes a vexation of spirit. Guile. Nasty. So, so, so what is God saying to us? You get bitter, you are, you are you're poison. Beware lest the root of bitterness. Remember how we talked about it being a root? The root of immorality, the, the root of the love of money is the root of all evil, the root of bitterness. Beware lest the root of bitterness spring up in you. So is that something we all always have to be aware of, always conscious about? Beware lest the root of bitterness spring up in you and trouble you and thereby, say it with me, what? Defile Many. doesn't say that your bitterness will defile just a few people. It says it'll rub off on everyone you touch. Bitterness is a terrible, terrible thing. It's a canker. It spreads so quickly in a family. It spreads in a workplace, doesn't it? It spreads in a church. It really does. Hasn't God been good to us to protect us from a bitter spirit in our church? Bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the offender to die. Who does bitterness really hurt? Bitter against that person. You're hurting yourself. You're damaging yourself. And then you're, you're hurting those who are the closest to you. Bitterness is simply the result of not seeing suffering from God's perspective. That's where we were in the, in the Sunday school. Now in Sunday school today... How many, how many were in Sunday school? Okay, about half of you. We looked at 20 reasons, and this is going to be online. Okay, so you can go online, you can download those uh, outlines. But 20 reasons why God allows suffering to come into our lives. He has a good purpose in it. Okay? But if you want Christ's power, how many of you want Christ's power upon your life? Remember what Paul said, I take pleasure in infirmities, say it with me Sunday school class, in infirmities and reproaches and necessities for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then 
I am strong. Strong through Christ. So if you want Christ's power in your life, and each one, are you still with me? Each one of these, I highlighted a word. What's the highlighted word there? Accept. Isn't it difficult to accept suffering? We want to avoid it. We want to run from it. And yet God says, no, I want you to embrace it. I want you to accept it. I have a good purpose in this happening in your life. The verse we talked about in Sunday school, we know that all things, how many things? Work for to them that love God. To them that are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? That we might be conformed to the image of Christ. If you want Christ's glory, I want his glory. You have to, what's the word? Welcome suffering. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed within us one day. If you want to reign with Christ. I'm looking forward to ruling and reigning with Christ. You have to be, what's the highlighted word? Willing. You have to be willing to suffer with him and suffer for him. If you suffer, you'll reign with me. If you want to receive the crown of life. Remember we talked about the different crowns that we're going to be given that we can take and then cast at the feet of our Savior in appreciation for all he's done for us there at the Crystal Sea. For the throne, you must be willing. What's the highlighted word? Endure. To endure suffering. Some seasons of suffering last a long time. But if we endure suffering, we'll receive a crown of life, James 1 to 12. If you want to fulfill God's calling, you must what? Follow Christ's example. He has left us an example that we should following his steps in the context of 1 Peter. If you can remember all the way back, we went first through 1 Peter, was his sufferings. If you want to develop godly character, how many of you want to be more godly than you are? Okay, you raise your hand. You know what you're saying? How many of you want trials and suffering? Oh, wait a minute. Not one hand went up. Almost all your hands went up when you said, I want more godly character. But when I said, how many of you want to suffer? No, no one's hands went up. Why is that? Because in the spirit, we want to what? We want to develop godly character. The flesh lusteth against the... But in our flesh, we don't want to suffer. Whoops. Okay, what's the highlighted word? We need to allow suffering to perfect us. To weed those things, to burn those things out of our lives, that dross out of our lives that is un, unpleasant to the Lord. Thank you. If you want to be an effective witness and be an encouragement to others, you must, what's the word? respond correctly to suffering so we can comfort others with the comfort wherewith we ourselves have been comforted of God during times of trial, adversity, and suffering. Can I tell you something? If you've been through a divorce, you can suffer along with someone else who's going through a divorce. If you've been through cancer, you can suffer along with someone else who just found out they had cancer. If you've lost a child, hello, you can suffer along and identify with those if you've allowed the Lord to bring you through that victoriously. If you want your faith to increase. How many want more faith? <laughs> There's not more. <laughs> How many of you want more faith? Be honest. Well, if you want more faith, then you have to see suffering as a precious gift. That the trial of our Come on, church, that the trial of our faith be much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found to the praise and the honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. If you want to experience a close fellowship with God, then you have to commit your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion to him as a 
faithful creator. We're actually going to end with a slide of that verse. What's the highlighted word? Commit. Okay, now listen. Not done with this yet, but listen. What do we have a tendency to do when suffering comes into our lives? Yeah. Avoid that person, maybe? Or maybe suffering comes to you in a church setting. How many have ever heard someone say, I'm not going back to church. I've been too deeply hurt. Come on, let me see your hand. What did the Bible say the Lord Jesus did when he reviled? He reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself. You just got to commit yourself to the Lord, to him that judges righteously. Next, if you're going to live uh, godly in this present world, you have to expect suffering. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer. Then it adds persecution. And as I said in Sunday school class this morning, as was drilled home to us this week when we were up, up at Camp Kobiak at a conference, if you haven't experienced persecution, let me tell you what, you commit to living a godly life, it's coming. It is coming. You have to expect it. If you want to be counted worthy, a worthy servant of God, you must count it all joy. <laughs> What's the Bible say? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials. Hallelujah. Another trial has come. If you want God's fullest blessing, listen, I've told you this before. I love you all so very, I believe this with all my heart. You have no idea how much I love you. My heart burns with a love for my people. There's not a time when I sit down in my office and open that Bible and start to prepare these messages that I give to you Sunday and Wednesday that my heart doesn't, doesn't burn for God's blessing in your life. And if there's one thing that I desire more than anything for my people is that God's blessing would be upon you. That's why when I give this invitation every Sunday, and I want to tell you something, as long as I'm here, we'll always have an invitation. And the reason I plead, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren. The reason I plead with you to make movement and to make a commitment on what you've just heard is for the sole reason I want you to be blessed of the Lord. I'm gonna plead with you again today. I'm gonna to plead with those of you who, who are stubborn and prideful and won't move and won't come and won't get right and won't come to freedom. I'm gonna plead with you because I know how destructive bitterness is. I've seen it ruin so many people. I've seen it steal my joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength and I've never been joyful when I'm bitter. If you want God's fullest blessing upon your life, you must rejoice and be exceeding glad. What did Jesus say? For great is your reward where? In heaven. Listen, this, this is what I'm telling you today. It's all about perspective. We are so carnally minded. We're, we're focused on the temporal and we're not focused on the eternal. You've seen me illustrate this before and I'm gonna do it again because it's a great illustration. We live for the dot. The dot is the here and now and we don't live for the line. If I could draw a dot and then a line extending on into eternity forever, here we are, we're over here, we, we're living for the dot, we're living for the moment, we're living for the temporal, and we can't see that there is eternity that stretches on forever. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward, not in this life, but great is your reward where? In heaven. How many of us are forfeiting our reward in heaven because we're so focused on this life? Building our own little kingdom and doing what pleases us. And if something happens to throw a wrench into that, we become all angry and bitter. 
God help us. These are just a few. In Sunday school class, I shared 20 more. But these are just a few of the purposes for which God allows suffering to come into our lives. If we do not see, this is God's purpose. This is God's perspective. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. That's why the Bible is our wisdom. Now, how many of you, before we even go any further, would say, boy, pastor, what you're, what you're teaching and what you're saying right now is totally contrary to the way the world thinks. <laughs> how many would agree with me there? That's why the church, it alone is the pillar and ground of the truth. You're not going to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist that's going to tell you these things. You know what he's going to do? He says, well, you just, you just blame all your ills upon your past. It was your parents' fault. It was the way you were brought up. Or it was the society in which you lived. And here's some pills. I kid you not. We are drugging this culture of ours to try to cope with sin problems. Suffering, we're going to look at all these verses here in just a minute, so hang on. Suffering is fertile soil. It tills up the heart. It, I mean, it can harden your heart if you don't respond correctly. But if you respond to it and see this is what God is doing, he's tilling up the soil of your heart. And, and he'll trans, oh, he'll bring great fruit from that. Suffering is our motivation to get our eyes off of the temporal and get our eyes, as I just mentioned, onto the things which are eternal, eternal realities. Suffering is the pain that is required in order for true healing to take place. We'll share with that verse with you in just, in just a moment. Suffering is a confirmation that you have been chosen to, for special leadership with Christ in his kingdom. Again, if we suffer, we'll reign with him. You know, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in the millennial reign of Christ but I'm pretty excited to find out. But I know this. If I get bitter in this life and I let my problems bury me and my sufferings take my focus off of the Lord, I know that what I could have had, I'll, I won't have. Here's the verses. Why don't you read them with me, okay? Can you do that? How many of you can see them up there? All right. Well, it's a little bit light, isn't it? Can you see them okay? All right, here we go. Let's read it together. But the God of all grace, who hath called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a what? That a while can be short or it can be long. That's up to God. I'd, I'll rather have the short one. Well, let's keep going. But suffer a while. Watch this. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. The next verse that we had up there was this. Read it with me. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, who I suffered the loss of all things and count them but dung that I may win Christ. I have suffered the loss of all things. But in suffering the loss of all things, and when Paul said all things, he meant all things. Even at the end of his life, no man stood with him. We had the message brought to us this week that when Paul at the end of his life was drawn up to the courts, there was not one man that stood to his defense. And yet he established over 20-some churches in the New Testament, led multitudes to Christ. I've suffered the loss of all things. He suffered his reputation. He suffered his, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me, his thorn in the flesh. Suffered his loss of his wealth. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was very wealthy prior to his salvation. Anyway, suffered the loss of all things, but in the suffering of the loss of all things, he won Christ. Would you rather win Christ? That song we sang, the world behind me, the what? Cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Let's read this verse together. 
For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself. Ooh, arm yourselves. Do you get that word? Satan's attacking. He wants to discourage and knock you off course. Here we go. Arm yourselves. Join with me. Likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from what? Sin. It has its purifying work in our lives. We're to have the mind of Christ. Such a mind that he was willing to go to the cross and suffer that humiliating death for you and me. Last one, let's read it. If we suffer, we shall reign. We also reign with him. Thank you. So now let's stop and let's recognize, because I really believe as a preacher, one of the things a preacher also has to do from time to time is give counsel. Now I want, I want you all to look up here with me. My wife and I will tell you we have wasted hours in the counseling room. The best counsel that you will ever get is coming to church, hearing the Word of God preached, and making the application of that in your own life. We have wasted so much fruitless effort. And I can't tell you how many times I have tried to deal with people on this level uh, immorality. And I told you last week, people will admit quickly to immorality more than they will to bitterness or to being covetous more than they will to bitterness. But, but when you can tell someone is bitter, but for them, you know, half the problem to overcoming bitterness is just admitting that you're bitter. It's just seeing it. But bitterness, when you put bitterness on, it's like putting dark glasses on. You, 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 you can't see any, everything's skewed. So here we want to look at recognizing some of the uh, examples of bitterness. Most people who are bitter, as I said, they don't realize they're bitter. But rather than admitting it, they simply say things like this. I've been what? I've been deeply hurt. Or they say, I've been so-and-so extremely disappointed in me. Or here's the big one. The big one. Okay? I don't know what kahuna means, but this is the big kahuna. I've been what? I've been offended. As soon as someone says, I've been offended, or they say, you have offended me. You know what they're saying? I'm bitter. They that love the law of God, nothing shall offend them. They don't take up offenses. As soon as you say, I've been offended, it's, it should be like a, a bright neon light flashing and saying, you're bitter. I've been hurt, I've been disappointed, I've been offended. But I, I don't think I'm bitter. Freedom can't come until confession and repentance. Confession is admitting, repentance is turning away from. Cute little guy there. People say, you know what, I'm, I'm not bitter. We had, a, we had a preacher this week. He was 80, I think he was 80 years old. He looked just like that. Ben goes, Dad, he's the guy on up. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm just, just angry. I'm not bitter. I'm just, just a little jealous. I'm not bitter. I just have some strife in my heart. I, I'm not bitter. There's just a little issue that's dividing us. Uh, I'm not bitter. I just like to get my point across. Why do you have to feel you have to get your point across? 
Um, I'm not bitter. I just, I just have a tendency to complain about things. Well, I, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not bitter. I'm just a little unhappy with my circumstances in life. I'm not bitter. I'm just sick. Can I tell you this? That a lot, I'm not a physician. I've talked to those who are and talked to those who are in the medical field. I've heard the reports that come out of Mayo Clinic. Much sickness and disease. I want to tell you what bitterness does. It's that poison. It's that gall. It affects your immune system. The medical community will tell you this. Proverbs 13, 12 told us that before the medical community did. I'm not bitter, I'm just, I'm just in bondage. I'm gonna jump on this one here in just a moment. Because bitterness places you in a prison of an unforgiving spirit. Spiritual deception can be tremendous. It is common for a person who is bitter to think that he loves God and is in fellowship with God. But you know what? That's not true. Church, it's not true. You cannot be bitter and be in fellowship with God, period. Some of you are saying, I don't like that preacher. the truth. And when you stand praying, forgive if he have aught against any that your Father also which is in heaven may what? How many of you want to be forgiven? What are you going to do with this verse? You want to be forgiven, you better forgive. Therefore, if thou bringest thy gift to the altar, here you are, you're coming to worship. And there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Leave there thy gift at the altar. Go thy way. First be what? Reconciled. Don't be bitter. Be reconciled to thy brother. And then come offer what? Thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. Don't, don't let that go by. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge and the judge deliver thee to the officer and thou be cast into what? Prison, the prison of an unforgiving spirit. I've never been locked up in prison. I have been in the prison of an unforgiving spirit. And man, I know what it's like when you get the key and the, the door is open and you're free. Now, I've never been locked up in, in, in jail. I've never been locked up in prison. Some say, well, you should have been, but I never was. But I can't imagine, after being locked up for years, what it's like to be paroled. <laughs> and for them to come and unlock the door, and, and you're set free. I, I can't imagine that. Listen to me. Some of you here today, you're locked up. And I'm here to give you the key that'll reach down and unlock that cell and set you free. How many remember Andy Griffith, Andy and Barney? How many, how many of you like watching Andy and Barney? How many of you watch those old shows? I Love Lucy, Andy and Barney, and all that, yeah. How many remember Otis, the drunk? Goes in, locks himself up, hangs the key. When he's sobered up, he gets the key, unlocks himself, and leaves. Listen, some of you are locked up. You've locked yourself up. You've walked into that prison. You've locked the door. The key's been hanging right there all the time. 
I so believe in the altar call. I believe in it so strongly I would never attend a church where there wasn't one. Christ always gave the call, come. Come unto me, all ye labor and are heavy laden. I will do what? I'll set you free. I'll take that yoke of bondage off. What an awesome thing it is. I want to tell you something I've seen. I believe with all my heart the most important part of the service is not what we're doing right now. It's what we're going to do in just a couple minutes. I can't tell you how I've seen souls saved and lives changed. As people say, I want to be free. I want to be free from my sin. and I want to be saved. I want to be free from my sin and I want to be reconciled. Don't you think it's time to take the handcuffs off? This is not how God wants you to live. So there are some steps to overcoming bitterness. We're going to go through them quickly because look at the clock. Go ahead, look at it. First of all, you've got to repent. You have to repent. It takes humility to do it. But you have to repent. What are you repenting of? You're repenting of the temporal values that you felt were violated. Bitterness often reveals greed. Temporal values. When you lose those things, you get bitter and upset. Greed, covetousness is identified in the Bible as idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. You're worshiping the wrong thing. Sorry, I have to go so quickly. Bitterness is conquered when we look to the Lord for our reward, not to how people are going to reward us or say it or praise us. I want to tell you something. I appreciate every time everyone, someone says, preach, that was a good message, really touched my life. I appreciate that. I want to tell you this. If no one ever says that to me, I'm going to keep preaching the same way I've always preached. I'm not going to change. Because, I, I mean, I came to this place a long time ago. I'm looking to the Lord. I'm looking to eternity for my reward. View temporal losses as spiritual gain. I count all things but loss that I may what? Win Christ. So when those things are taken away from you, thank God for it. Thank God for allowing the offense to come. The Bible says in everything what? The Bible doesn't say for everything give thanks, but the Bible says in everything give thanks. <clears throat> Why? Because God's good purposes are, are being worked out. This is a really bad thing that happened. I mean, if I was to lose one of my children or one of my grandchildren, that's a bad thing. But I do know this, that God has some blessing there in that. God is not responsible for the wrongdoing of those who have hurt us. But God has promised to use even the wrath of those who hurt us to benefit our lives. Look at, look at. Some of the people who have hurt me the deepest and have hated me. You know, I used to save all my hate letters. A few years ago. And I never did read them. I just kept them in my drawer. I said, someday I may use these in a pastor's conference or something. But I never did read them. I read them once. But I took those hate letters and I just threw them away. Now it's so much easier. All you have to do is go delete, 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 delete. Amen? But some of the people who have hurt me the most have actually, as I look back on it, they brought the greatest benefit into my life. What causes ungratefulness? Assuming that God owes us something. God doesn't owe us anything. Isn't that right? <laughs> I mean, if I got what I deserved, I'd, I'd go to hell. But this is a prevailing attitude, even among God's people, that God offers me a happy and a prosperous life. And if something happens to hinder that or cut a person's life short, then isn't it funny how God always gets the blame for things, but he never gets the praise? 
Job's wife. Remember this morning, Sunday school, what'd she say? Curse God and die. Cast off your integrity. Job's attitude, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You are speaking as a foolish woman. If God gave us everything we deserve, none of us today would even be alive. Do you realize that? How many of you are sinners? The wages of sin is... is because of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Focusing on what we thought we should have rather than on what we have received will cause us to be bitter. Hasn't God given us a lot of good gifts? Come on, church. Forget not all of his benefits. Also, view your offender as God's agent of perfection. That stubborn, self-willed, disrespectful student in your Sunday school class that looks at you when you're trying to teach the Bible and goes, He's perfecting you. Your wife comes home and says, Honey, remember my wife comes home and comes to my office and says, Honey, I go, what's next? <laughs> View your offender as God's agent of perfection. An important basis of forgiving your offender is seeing them not as people attacking you. Now, they, they may see themselves that way. But as those specially chosen by God to accomplish his perfect will and work in you. That's a pretty important truth right there. Read the verse with me. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You're not the only one going through it. But the God, keep going, but the God of all grace, who hath called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. How many times have you heard me say it's not about us, it's all about it's all about him. Job's response Naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked I shall return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Joseph's response when he, was in, when he was sold into slavery by his brothers, that was a terrible thing they did. Beat him to a pulp, dipped his coat in goat's blood, told their father that he had been killed by a wild animal, sell him into slavery. Listen to this. But as for you, he'd 13 years in prison. But as for me, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it for what? Good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. God had a plan for Joseph, and the only way Joseph could fulfill that plan was to be thrown in the pit, sold into slavery, and be in prison for 13 years. And God brought him from the pit to the pinnacle. David's response. Remember that fellow by the name of Shimei? Can't read that, can we? Well, anyway, Shimei, David, now David's the what? David's the king. And Shimei is cursing, cursing David and calling him all kinds of terrible and awful names. And the captain of the guard says, let me at that Shimei. I'll go over there and I'll take off his head. Now, I probably would have said, have at it. But what did David say? It may be, 
See if you can read this with me. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, which is coming to me from the cursing of, of Shimei, who was Abishai, said, I'll take his head off. And that the Lord will equip me, what? Good for his cursing this day. God is able to take the cursing of men that comes into your life and turn it around for good. It's, it's such a cool thing. Stephen's response when he was stoned, kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. The Lord Jesus, when he died on the cross. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The result of viewing your offender as God's agent of perfection, you'll see your offender as God's instrument for good and not evil. You'll remove the possibility of being bitter towards your offender. You'll demonstrate the love of Christ toward your offender. And here comes the main points of the message this morning. Let's, let's, let's read them together. You ready? See suffering from God's perspective. God's doing a good work. Next, Repent of the temporal values that you have, because that's what you're focused on. Next, thank God for the offense. God, thank you for allowing this to come into my life. Next, view your agent as, view your offender, excuse me, as God's agent of perfection. Let's do that again. View your offender as God's agent of perfection. Listen, these are the keys that will unlock that door. And it'll set you free from your prison. Forgiveness is the key to freedom. All God's people said, all right, now listen. Now what are you going to do with what you've just heard? Don't resist the grace of God. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you've missed any messages or would like to hear this one again, just visit our website at www.fbcclarklake.org or visit us on iTunes where you can subscribe for free to our weekly podcast. If this or any other message has been an encouragement to you, we would love to hear about it. Just send us a note on our website. If you do not currently have a church you are attending, we would love to have you come visit us here at Fellowship Baptist. Baptist. We are located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan, 49234. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again next time. Have a great day, and God bless.